Good evening, everybody. The Bible tells us that, oh, how good and pleasant it is when brothers get together in unity. And I tell you, when we, get, we worship God in praise, in music, and we worship God in our tithes and offerings, and we just gather together. In God's economy, it doesn't get better than this. So um, right now, if the ushers would kindly prepare for the tithes and offerings. Um, have you guys ever been flying really, really high emotionally, and all of a sudden somebody said something, and boom, you went down to the ground. You were broken by just one sentence. This happened to me uh, back a few years ago. I was about 16. See, I'm 37 now. So, yeah, it's a few years ago. Uh, but anyway, I was fishing on a boat with my best friend Tad and his brother Alton. It was nighttime in Hilo Bay, and he was hooking a kule. So, anyway, uh, we had a radio on, and uh, back then, this is back in, you know, the 80s, I, I think uh, there was some sort of public service announcement, and they, they would interview uh, firemen on safety tips of the day or something. So, on the radio, the DJ said, and now for today's safety tip is Kiao paramedic Lawrence Miyasato. That's my dad. That's my father. And I was like, I got all excited. So I told my friend, guys, hey, turn up the radio. That's my dad. That's my dad. That's my dad. My friend Alton, he does this. He says this. Ooh, dada. Oh, I was brought down like that. I was like, so, I was so embarrassed. I was sad. I was like flying high. And he goes, ooh, dada. And I was like, I, I hit the ground. I was like, I was so upset. But anyway, I still haven't recovered. Alton, if you're watching this, I still haven't recovered from that one. But brokenness is not a bad thing in God's economy. It's actually the best place to be. It really is. From our broken pieces, God can turn it into a miracle. He can multiply it into a miracle. You look at Mark chapter 8. Jesus, what it says, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it into pieces, and then he multiplied it into a miracle. You look at the, the lady, the woman in Bethany, she had the alabaster jar full of nard perfume. Not lard, nard, but that thing was worth a year's wages. It's like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. But what did she do? She broke the bottle, the alabaster jar. From the broken pieces, when we, when we break, when we give, when we surrender, God can turn it into a multiple he can multiply it into a miracle so let's bow our heads father god in jesus name wow you can multiply everything into a miracle from our broken pieces so lord now as we give lord we pray that you would multiply it that you do miracles that you would take this offering lord and thousands of people would come to you as a result of it we love you we praise you we open up our hearts this morning this evening lord that you would speak to us that you would speak directly into our hearts lord god we love you we praise you in your holy mighty and precious name amen amen thank you jonathan thank you well, if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know we're in a series called the spiritual disciplines and last week we also had our worship and prayer night our all-night prayer. So if you were here uh, during the all-night prayer, then what, it was a powerful time. And I think when we, whenever we are able to have an all-night prayer or have a time where we can gather together and pray, then powerful things happen because prayer is not about us. Prayer is about who God is through all of us. That's his way of connecting with us. 
So if you're a person of prayer, keep praying. If you're not a person of prayer, start praying. Just get to the place where you're praying to God and praying uh, with God or have that constant uh, communication with God. And prayer is something that God gave to us so that we can build this relationship with him. Okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about these spiritual disciplines. And I want you to get this word in your mind. The constant flow of the spirit or the phrase, the constant flow of the spirit. So whenever you think of the word constant, that means continuous. It never stops. Uh, It is constant. Keep going. uh, Never stopping. I think of a two-year-old saying, mommy, 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 mommy. It's constant. And you know that that's the mom who the child is talking to because they're not phased by it. They could be shopping at the store and the kid is like, mommy, 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 mommy. Everybody else can hear it, but the mom is, it, it, she's immune to it because the baby or the child is constantly saying, mommy, 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 mommy. I mean, there comes a point where sometimes you snap and you go, What? And then, you know, then you come back to Jesus, but that constant over and over and over saying of something is a nonstop. It's, it's, a, it's the word that means like a constant dripping of something. It's constant. And they even use uh, the constant drip to torture because it's constant. It's over and over and over. Children get irritated by their siblings because they keep doing something over and over and over. They keep nagging them over and over. They keep making trouble over and over. It's like that constant thing that they do. And they say things like, I'm, 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 I'm not in, uh, what is that, uh, air, is, air is free? I forget because I, I didn't make trouble to my siblings for a long time. They would, they would constantly put their hand in front of their face. And the other sibling would, would cry to mom or dad and saying, stop it. Tell him stop it. Tell her stop it. And we would say, air is free, air is free, air is free. And there's that constant, like, irritation, nagging over and over. That word constant, if used in the wrong way, can be like that. It can be irritating. It can be frustrating. But on the other hand, when it's used for good, like constant encouragement, if you're you're constantly uh, building someone up, if you're constantly in tune with the Spirit, if you're constantly loving one another, just imagine in your own household that your family would constantly clean. That's like heaven. It's like if they could constantly, like if my children could constantly clean, constantly do their homework, constantly wake up in a good mood, the word constant can be used in a good way. And in the same way when it comes to doing something constantly good, we want to find a way of how we can be constant with the flowing of the Spirit. Now, it can almost seem super spiritual when we say constantly flowing in the Spirit, or we can look at it as something that we can learn together as the body of Christ. Now, some of you take notes. Some of you use the church app, which you can take out, and it'll help you to follow along. And being in this series, The Spiritual Disciplines, we're learning that it's going to take discipline for us as human beings who have been disconnected from God, who have been brought back to God through Jesus Christ. It's going to take some disciplines to now live the life that we're supposed to live before sin came into the world. In other words, God sent Jesus Christ to once again fix what had been broken so that we could have this relationship with him, 
so that we could be one with him. If you look in the book of John, chapter 17, Jesus prays that we would be one with God. It's like Jesus came not just to set us free from our sin, because if that were the case, then when we die, we go to heaven. He also set us free so that we could be free from the, the brokenness that we have from sin. So in order for us to stay connected to God, it's going to require some disciplines. And when I say disciplines, what it means is there's a training that we go through. That's the word discipline. It means to train ourselves. Now, if you're involved in sports or anything that you're learning, uh, if you're going to school or if you're learning a new program, you have to train for it. You don't just pick up something and then just figure it out. If you do that, then you're going to learn after a while you should have read the manual. You can have some leftover screws or something. There's a reason why we go through training. And when it comes to spiritual disciplines, training is very critical to our relationship with God. Sometimes we think this relationship with God is a one-sided thing, that once I say yes to Jesus, now God will take care of me and do everything for me. Well, no good father will do that. A good father will help with the building up of their son or daughter. And God, who is the perfect father, is no different. He wants to be a part of our lives and to help us become the person that he sees us to be. So there's going to be a, a, a two-way relationship that he's going to constantly work with us. And the only way that's going to be possible, in order for us as human beings who have fallen from God, who, are, who have been saved by grace, in order for us to constantly have the flow of the Spirit or to become the person that he's making us to be, is we're going to have to have the Spirit. Because if we don't have that Spirit, then we're working under our own power. Which should give us good news because if God says, you're going to need my spirit in order to become the person I'm making you to be, that means we're going to be even greater than what we think we're going to be for ourselves. Because if we could do life on our own, what good is that? We become just like the world. And we think that the worldly things is what success is all about. But if you have the spirit of God, then now we can accomplish the things that he promised us to accomplish. In other words, we become the person he sees us to be. We become more like Jesus Christ. So we're going to go through some scriptures in being filled with the spirit, having that constant flow of the spirit, because when we're empowered by the spirit, now we're able to carry out the works of the spirit. Otherwise, we're on our own and we don't have the strength to carry out the works of the spirit, which means the spirit knows more than us. And his spirit that he gives to us, the Holy Spirit, is able to see further ahead. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the guide unto all truth. Because truth needs a guide. Otherwise, we make up things. And not only will we be filled with the Spirit, we will also be able to accomplish what is impossible under our own strength in who he's making us to be. I think we can all have a constant flow of the Spirit by understanding these words that Jesus said. In John chapter 7, verse 38, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, and Jesus said this. He said, he who believes in me, as the Scripture said, so he's referring to the Scriptures, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So when you're filled with the Spirit, that means there's something inside of you that wasn't there before that now you can become more dynamic or you, you, you become a more vibrant person or you're more alive than you were before because the resource doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from outside of ourselves. It comes from his spirit. Not the natural, but now the supernatural. So our aliveness is empowered not by natural means, but by supernatural means. 
which tells us that we function at a different level than the rest of the world. Not better than, just with a different resource power. Let's just say you're running on solar power and the sun will shine on your home every single day and you had batteries to back you up and Helco, our electric company, went down. It doesn't affect you at all. Why? Because you're powered by a different power source. So it is with the Holy Spirit. We can try to do the works and try to behave or try to do good things and try to do what God is asking us to do or try to become who he's asking us to become but if it's apart from the Holy Spirit, we malfunction because we, are, we don't have that power source. We, we, are, we will run out of energy. Our natural bodies cannot do what only the supernatural can do. We need the supernatural spirit to do supernatural things. If you want to just like do normal things that... Uh, just kind of blend in with everyone else, then yeah, you can, you can do things apart from his spirit and just blend in with the world. Or we can become difference makers and be people who, who, who show the love of God as well as to help people find who God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own. So what I'm gonna do is go through some scriptures and just give us a, 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 a brief, kind of like each scripture, a brief teaching on each scripture of being filled with the Spirit. And it starts in Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. And this is when they were exiting out of Egypt. The Israelites were exiting out of Egypt because they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And that's a whole other story. But as they were freed, as they're going into the wilderness, they're now becoming their own nation, which is Israel today. So when they're being released from slavery, they have to now build their own governmental system and they're building what is called the tabernacle in where they, which they were going to worship God in. The tabernacle was the tent of meeting. That's where Moses would meet with God. He would get instruction from God, and then he would give that instruction to the Israelites. So they're building the tabernacle. They're building the priestly garments. And in Exodus chapter 28, it says, you shall, So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans and whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments, Aaron was the priest, to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. So what was taking place is that God was going to fill certain people up with his spirit so that they could do the works of the spirit, the works of God. So what God did first, is he, he would always fill someone up with his spirit in order to accomplish whatever it was God wanted them to accomplish. Even as something as simple as putting the priestly garments together, like sewing. He's calling them to sew a priestly garment together to make this. But he filled them with his spirit first because this, is, was, this wasn't just any old priestly garment. This was something that was consecrated or set apart or made holy by the spirit of God. So it wasn't just things that they were doing God filled them with the Spirit because there was something supernatural that was going to take place. So he filled them with the Spirit so that this could take place. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Now Mary is the mother of Jesus. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. That the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now who was Elizabeth pregnant with? John the Baptist. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. John the Baptist was the final prophet of the Old Testament that came right before Jesus. 
And John the Baptist was the one who said, prepare the way. Or he was the one to prepare the way, and he said, make way for the Lamb of God is here. Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was even saying, I am not the Messiah, because people were saying, you must be the Messiah, you're doing great things. And John was baptizing the people in water, and it was a baptism of repentance, a change. that You need to change, repent from your ways, change, turn away from your old ways, and turn to God. When Jesus comes, he does something different. It wasn't being baptized with water. So John the Baptist is the son of Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby leapt in her womb. Luke chapter 1, verse 67, who is uh, Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father. His father, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So even John the Baptist's father was filled with the Spirit before John was born so that Zechariah could prophesy. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, this is Jesus before he started his public ministry. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Listen, even Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit before he did his public ministry. So there's something that takes, something profound takes place when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And nothing profound takes place if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something that, that God sees beforehand that he says, you're going to need the Holy Spirit for this. If you're getting married, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to need this for this. Are you having children? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to have this. You're going to change careers? You're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to do this. And it's not because of a change that is taking place. It's because he wants to do something greater through us. And he sees that. But we miss the moment sometimes and we just think, I'm just going to go on to the next, the next. He says, you're, you're missing it. I want to fill you with the Spirit so that you can become even greater than what, uh, where you are today. Not in the sense of a position or anything like that, but of influence. Where we can shine the light of Christ, the love of Christ. I know we live in a world where we will need the Spirit of God in order to love people. We can't love people on our own. We can't love people with the love that we have as human beings. We're going to need a supernatural love to love natural people. I mean, just think about it. It's, it's not easy to love people. I mean, it can become easy, but it becomes a little bit more difficult when there's difficult people. Easy to love people. In fact, Jesus said it. It's easy to love your friends, but love your enemies. That's the one. See, that's the one we're going to need the Holy Spirit for. In Luke chapter 2, excuse me, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, and they were they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, when the early church was being birthed, it, didn't, it wasn't birthed out of just believers getting together and saying, oh, this is so cool. We're going to do something great. They were filled with the Spirit, and it was because of the Spirit that they were able to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the words to speak. In Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, this is when Peter and the apostles were going around and preaching the word of God and people were being healed. And then the Jewish council were like, hey, wait, what's going on? What, what is happening? Well, remember the Jesus that we killed? Yeah, the one we crucified? Yeah. Well, now he has like followers that are preaching about the goodness that he came to bring and they thought they were done, crucified, uh, put him in the grave 
And then they spread the rumor about the disciples stole his body. So he didn't rise from the grave. Tell everyone they, that they stole his body. And, um, and so let that rumor go. And so they thought that Jesus was done. But now the disciples are spreading the word. And one of the proconsuls was being converted who would always want to hear about the gospel. One, one man by the name of uh, Elimus, I think his name is in here, he, he was a sorcerer. So he tried to turn the, the proconsul away from hearing the gospel. And so Peter, filled with the Spirit, says to them, the rulers and elders of the people, he says, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, because they healed a man, kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So he's specifically saying who this is because Jesus, the name Jesus, is the English translation from the Greek name, Iesus, which was translated from Hebrew, which is Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua. Okay, stick with me. The Hebrew name, Yeshua, was given to Jesus. That's what the angel of the Lord said to, or the angel Gabriel said to Joseph. He said, Joseph, you are to name the baby, with Joseph and Mary, you are to name the baby Yeshua, because Hebrew was their language. So, Yeshua. And then when the Bible was translated into Greek, Yeshua was translated into Iosus, and then Iosus from Greek to English, Iosus was translated to Jesus, which is what we call Yeshua today. So, in everything that was taking place, when Peter says this, that this is Yeshua, Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. So Peter is saying, you know that this is the guy that we're, that, that we're talking about, right? This is, this is the anointed one. This is the Messiah. The, the, the one that you guys, is, you're waiting for the Messiah to come. This was the guy. And you crucified him on the cross. And if you check all the scriptures, it lines up with all the scriptures that you know so well. So Peter is saying this to the, the council. And he says, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. In other words, he's saying, you know the rumor you guys spread about us taking his body? Like, why would we do that? And where would we take him? And how could we take out the Roman guards? You guys sealed it as best as you know how. We're just fishermen. And we're going to take out a Roman army? He said, this is the man who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He's giving, giving credit to Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, in order for the disciples and the believers to speak the word of God with boldness, they needed to be filled with the Spirit. So if you've ever prayed for boldness, don't pray for boldness. Pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the automatic result would be boldness. If you just pray for boldness, you're going to have to think and strategize how I can be bold. You're going to wait for a moment versus saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me afresh with your spirit. Boldness is automatic when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 17, as you fast forward the tape, Saul, who is part of the Pharisees, that were going around and doing the same thing they were doing to Peter. They were ridiculing them and, and, and Saul was imprisoning or putting the believers in prison. Saul now comes into an encounter with Jesus Christ and now Saul is converted and he becomes a believer. 
Now, the believers don't believe that Saul has changed. So they're still afraid of Saul because he was killing Christians. But a man by the name of Ananias, who is filled with the Spirit, hears from God, and God says, no, this is my chosen instrument. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he's talking about Saul, he said, Brother Saul, in other words, he's letting Saul know you're a brother now. No longer Saul, the one who is persecuting the Christians. You're our brother. Why? Because Jesus connected us. He brought unity to us. So now you're Brother Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now catch this. When Saul came in count- to be, uh, came face to face with Jesus or was encountered with Jesus. He was so bright that his eyes were blinded and the Bible said he was blinded for, I believe, three days and he had to be led around. So instantly Saul walked around with humility. He had to. Although he was in a high position, he had to walk with humility because he was blind. He was not born blind, so he wasn't used to using Uh, sound and touch he was now blind and now he had to rely on other people which is the probably the highest form of humility that you can ever have coming from a prideful place but Ananias says brother Saul this is what God has spoken and that you may receive your sight remember now Saul doesn't know if he's going to be blind forever a couple days couple hours He's just, he's, he just does, all, he, all Saul knows is that Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And now Saul is now converted and is named Paul and is now an instrument for the Lord. But before he comes, becomes an instrument of the Lord, like a priestly garment, he's filled with the Spirit so he can do the greater things. In Acts chapter 13, verse 9 through 11 Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus, which is a sorcerer, and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. You know what Paul was doing at that time? Which Paul understood. Paul understood blindness. And what Paul was saying to him is, man, you're you're blowing it. You're you're messing up. You should follow Jesus Christ, but you're trying to turn everybody away. What's going to happen is now your your spiritual blindness is going to manifest itself, and now you're going to become physically blind. But you still have an opportunity But mist and darkness came over him. But Paul would not have been able to have that boldness to confront evil if not for the filling of the Spirit. I think you and I, we we come in contact with evil all the time. We, We see it in the world. There was just a shooting in the mainland again. There are things that happen in our community, in our very own home. Sometimes late at night, you just have this like this eerie feeling. Sometimes you sense evil around something. Well, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're not afraid of evil. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have a boldness about you. There's a strength about you that comes from His Spirit. 
In Acts chapter 13, verse 49, later on in that chapter, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region and the disciples were filled with the joy, uh, filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what was about to happen, which was the explosion of the church, would only happen because they were filled with the Spirit. That's the only way. It wasn't going to be some strategy, uh, some uh, PowerPoint presentation. It wasn't going to be some type of uh, marketing or, or branding. It was going to be because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is Paul the Apostle now after he planted churches. This is in the book of, uh, in, in the city of Ephesus or in Ephesus. And he's, he's talking to the church that was built in Ephesus. And he's letting them know, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. So he's pinpointing a specific thing that is happening because they, it was okay for them to drink wine. But they kept drinking wine. And they got drunk on wine and they started to do dumb things. I think we all can relate when people start drinking and they get a little bit too much to drink. Things get a little crazy. Because, and he says, because that will ruin your life. Instead, so he says, I, I can see. I can see why you're doing that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul was saying is, listen, you're wasting your life by getting drunk. You're wasting your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a different way to live your life. In other words, your life takes a, a change for the better when you're filled with the Spirit, not filled by getting drunk. And it's not just getting drunk. It's filling our lives with anything that is opposite of God, anything that is not consistent with the Spirit of God. But the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When he says now, when, when you're able to give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he's saying is don't go so overboard that you, 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 you become so uh, reserved that you can't do anything. And, and don't get being so reserved with, with having reverence for God. In other words, even as believers during worship times, I know during worship when, when we want to shout to God, we want to clap, we want to sing to God, but we, we, don't, we don't know if that's going to distract someone or if it's going to be you know, too overzealous. I, I know we always battle with that or we want to come to the altar, we want to you know, kneel, we want to bow our heads. Instead of thinking that way, say, God, fill me with your spirit and whatever happens, let me go from that point because I want to I have reverence for you. But I don't want to be so reserved that I mistake that for reverence for you. That's why the Bible, even, even when David, King David, danced before God, his wife, Michal, um, Michal, she was looking at him and saying, why are you making a fool out of yourself? And David says, if I'm going to make a fool, I can be more undignified than that because this is my spirit that God gave to me. I, I'm connecting with him. I have reverence for God. So I'm filled with his spirit. So this is the outcome. So in those kinds of situations, it's, we always battle with that. There's always a battle with what am I going to do because I don't want to seem like I'm like some holy person, but then I don't want to be too like reserved where I'm not known as a believer. Instead of looking at that, just go back to being constantly filled with the Spirit, having that constant flowing of the Spirit because it's His Spirit that is going to empower us, not the ways of the world. And sometimes even as a church, and I fall into this often, that I, I want to be careful 
because we're always trying to reach out to new people and and we want to be sensitive to newer people so we we're very cautious in how we do certain things here at this church yet at the same time not so cautious that we're trying to appease everyone because at what point do we appease the world that we no longer preach the gospel so being filled with his spirit and the church being filled with his spirit if we're filled with his spirit we don't have to worry about trying to appease anyone all we all we need to worry about is being pleasing to god and when we're pleasing to him everything else will work out together for good. In John chapter 7, I read the scripture in the beginning, but I want to read a little bit more of the context. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. This is the Feast of Tabernacles, and if you don't know what that means, it's okay. You'll catch the gist of it. But it was on the last and greatest day of the festival, it's also called Sukkot, that Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, he said this, let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So at this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, it was to celebrate their their coming out of Egypt and being in the wilderness that long and to commemorate and to remember that we were in the wilderness for 40 years. And they would have tents, and they still do that till this day. They would set up little tents at this festival, and all over Israel, or in Jerusalem, you would see these little tents. And they would sleep in there for that night of the festival, or that week, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And they do that still today. And it was a reminder that they used to live in tents, But they also would do a water ceremony because the most precious commodity, the most precious thing in the desert is water. So because God provided water for them in the wilderness, they would also do a water ceremony. So what the priest would do is they would go down to the Pool of Siloam, which is in Jerusalem at the temple, and they would go down the steps and they would would take water from the Pool of Siloam and then they would climb back up to the stairs and pour the water on the altar. And they would sing a song coming out of Isaiah chapter 12. And as they're singing this song, the water would flow down the stairs and they would keep pouring water and they wanted the water to rush because it's like the voice of God, the rushing waters. And when you hear the water flowing, there's something that, I mean, that's like for us, when you're next to a flowing river, it, it, it calms us. It, it also, it's, it's very soothing, but it's a constant flow, which means when there's fresh water, then there's a fresh flowing rather than just a stagnant, you know, river or like a lagoon that there's no, or a, a place where there's no water coming in or out, and then it becomes stagnant. But when there's a constant flow of water, now it's fresh. So when they would do that, that was the reminder that God will always bring fresh water. And when Heidi and I were in Jerusalem, we sat at a, it was the east gate, and at this east gate, there's some steps, and they still have some of the original steps where Jesus taught from. And I have a quick video. I'm not sure if you can see. We're going to get another projector for this. But those stairs, and I wanted to show the scale of it. Uh, they would pour, and it wasn't these steps, but I just wanted to show you what it looks like. And these are the actual uh, stones and how the stairs would be. So they would pour it, and the water would flow down, and that would be their constant reminder of God's fresh you know, his fresh water, 
And that's how far the steps were. And it would just constantly flow. And the, the, what was interesting about that is they would be singing the song. And it comes out of Isaiah chapter 12. I'll read it to us. And I want you to remember Jesus' name is Yeshua. Yeshua means salvation. That's why in the book of Joshua, well, Joshua, who came after Moses, Joshua's name was also Yeshua, which means salvation. Joshua took the Israelites into the promised land. So he was also like salvation. But the reason why it's Joshua and Jesus translated today is they didn't want to mix up the two. So Hebrew to Greek from Joshua. Sorry, I'm getting into that. I don't want to get into that. Anyway, so in Isaiah chapter 12, it says this. And this is what they would sing while they're pouring the water. And now Jesus is present now. This is in the book of John. This is happening when Jesus is present. They're singing this song I'm about to read. They're pouring the water. Jesus is present. And he didn't say these words yet, but he's about to. And here's why. In Isaiah chapter 12, they sing this song. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Now, when they said God is my salvation, they're saying it in Hebrew. So they're saying God is Yeshua, which is the name of Jesus. Jesus is standing there in their midst. They know his name is Yeshua, but they're not connecting anything. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, my Yeshua. Yet joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, from the wells of Yeshua. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So... If you can picture the crowd of people, just imagine a crowd of people. They've been doing this for years, over and over and over, waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah is standing there in their midst. They're singing about the person that is standing in their midst, and they don't even recognize him. Why? Because they're stuck in their tradition. They're so stuck in their tradition and their own ways that they've forgotten to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is standing right there in their midst. The water is pouring. They're singing this song. They're dancing for joy. They're singing, and they're, they're singing these songs. They're saying Yeshua over and over. And Yeshua is right there. While they're pouring the water, Jesus stands up on the last and greatest day of the festival. He stands up, and he says this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, as what you're singing, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus is saying, you know, you're singing about salvation, about Yeshua. This is me. If, you, if, you, if you're thirsty, come to Yeshua and drink. You want salvation? You want Yeshua? I am He. This is who I am. And they still missed it. They missed 
the spirit of the living God in their midst because they were stuck to their traditions as well as their own personal lives. It just didn't make sense to them. How can your spirit quench this thirst that is on the inside of me? How is that even possible? And how can you be the Messiah? You're just like one of us. But even though that was over 2,000 years ago, it still happens today. We pray to God. We talk to God. We even come to church. We worship. And sometimes we still miss the spirit of the living God. I want to bring out our worship team and we're going to sing a song together that we sang earlier. And because of this song, it, it will allow us to just be filled with his spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse, verse 5, when Luke, who is writing the book of Acts, who is a doctor, is writing to a man, Theophilus, He's, he's saying to Theophilus, okay, I, I know you know some things, but I want, I want to uh, remind you of some things. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses this word to mean, I want to flood your life with my spirit. This word baptism, he says, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm going to flood your life with my spirit, every single part of you. Every single area, your mind, the way you think, every, every action, I want to flood your life with my spirit, that rivers are going to flow out of you. There's going to be fruitfulness, peace, and strength. There's going to be a boldness about you. And, that, and the word that he used uh, when he says that I'm going to baptize you in the name of the, uh, baptize you in the Holy Spirit, that word baptize comes from a word that means to be immersed, which means to, it's like, it's the word that they would use when a ship, when a ship sunk. It was a sunken ship. It was waterlogged. It was inundated with water. And it permeated every single part of the ship. It also meant a word that they used as a dyed garment. When they would take a white uh, garment and they would dye it a different color, it was completely different. And it was noticeable. So Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you, immerse you with my spirit, and it's going to be noticeable. That's why in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it means he's going to reshape your life. He's going to give you a new perspective, a new passion, a new heart and new desires. And all of them in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here's what I want you to leave with tonight. And I just have one thing. Let the Holy Spirit fill you every day or fill me if you want to personalize it if you're taking that note. Let the Holy Spirit fill me every day and every moment. And that word filled is a verb which means to fill. And it's only used in the context of overflow. That you're constantly being filled because what Jesus was saying when he used this word is he's saying, I will provide constantly more than enough over and over and over and over and over. That's what he means by being constantly flowing in the Holy Spirit. Lord God, tonight our prayer is that we would be filled with your spirit. So teach us more and more to be filled with your spirit so there is a constant flow from you 
And as we close tonight and we sing this song together, may you fill us with your spirit so that we can become everything you created us to be. For you are our God. And as we pray to you, as we worship you, may we be filled with your spirit, not just attend a service. So fill us afresh with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all sit together. Amen. As we